welcome back to Atypical Talk. This is a podcast where we have conversations that illuminate the intersection of faith, culture, and the common spaces of our humanity. I'm Abby. I'm Allison. And I'm Joel. We're jumping in with our first question. If someone were to come to you, Allison, and say, I need you to give a 30-minute speech right now, what is something that you think you know well enough that you could fill 30 minutes with? <laughs> this is an interesting question because I don't really feel like I know enough about one topic to talk for 30 minutes. I could talk about a lot of things for like three minutes, but the one thing I came up with was uh, Indiana wineries. So <laughs> I have, I know, I have been to more than 40 in, uh, there, what, in Indiana. Oh, there's more than 100 just in Indiana, but so many of them like close in a season and some open. So like, I feel like I'll never, I mean, I know I won't ever get to them all just because they come and go so much. But yeah, there are so many and um, some that like GPS can hardly find. They're like, you know, over the river and through the woods to grandma's house kind of a thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been to a lot and I love them. So Wow. You know, that's what we're known for here in Indiana. <laughs> wine. That's everybody around the world's like, I got to get to Indiana. Listen, wine. You got to visit where you are. But yeah, I mean, awesome. I've been to Michigan and other places with wineries as well. But mm-hmm. I could talk for 30 minutes about Indiana wineries. That's Not be mad awesome. about it. What about you, Joel? Um, I, again, kind of like you, I know a little bit about many things. But there are there are other things that I could really talk about for a really long time and my (laughs) wife would just be like glazing over hearing about it. Uh, But for me, one would be the greatest rock band of the last 50 years, um, you know, after the Beatles Mm -hmm. would be the the Irish rock band U2. And I have been a super fan of U2 since I was in high school when I saw U2 play at the Super Bowl halftime show right after 9-11 and just like blew the top off my head (laughs) I've seen them live like 12 times I've seen them on every tour in the last since 2005 actually Uh, and I have all the DVDs of the old tour so I could talk about their whole history and I just found out they're doing like a Netflix documentary season on the band U2 so I'm just like I'm all in I can tell you all about you know Bono the edge but like Bono's real name is not Bono it is uh, oh my gosh, I'm spacing it in this moment. <laughs> I actually love that. <laughs> oh, that's so embarrassing. And I'm just going to come back to me. I know the Edge's real name is Dave Evans, which oh. the Edge is a much cooler yeah, nickname. Oh, generic. Bono, come on. It's Paul Hewson. Paul Hewson, that's his name. <laughs> and then the other two guys in the band, Adam Clayton, who plays bass, and Larry Mullen Jr., who plays drums. Just has the normal kind of boring names. Generic. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I can talk about you 2 and uh I know the inside of all the lyrics of all their songs and what they played on their tours, and I'm a big nerd, and um, everybody just thinks about you 2 as the band that put that awesome album on your phone for free that everybody was upset about. <laughs> but yeah, I could talk yeah. about them for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> for me, I, it took a lot of thinking, like you guys, to figure out what exactly I feel like I could talk about for that long. And I play video games a lot, but my favorite one is Fallout 4. I'm wearing a Fallout t-shirt right now but um I just absolutely love the lore the whole storyline in that specific game so I feel like I could talk about that for a long time talk about all the different creatures and characters you meet along the way and how how many fallouts are there there's um 
five or six. Oh I think my goodness. Six. But yeah. four alone, you could just talk about this yeah, yeah. four for 30 mm-hmm. minutes. And man, that's, I'm not that's, cool enough for this. <laughs> no, me that's the one that got me like into those games. Ah, just because I'm yeah. very drawn to a game with really good graphics. And that one is like very graphically intense and is just like beautiful scenery and stuff. Yeah. And so that's what drew me into that. See, that's interesting with me too, because um, U2 is probably the band that helped me fall in love with music and Mm. live music, which is such a huge part of my life. I don't know what that says about Allison that, you know, wineries was her thing. I actually did not like wine uh, up until a couple of years ago. uh, I had a friend that that's what she wanted to do for her birthday was go visit a winery. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, I don't like wine, but sure, let's go. And so it has just kind of become our thing now and so we just go together and we sample the different kinds and we found lots that we like and lots that we would never ever want to taste again yeah. so it's an experience Joel's like a live concert see just like it <laughs> yeah just like it <laughs> there's people watching everywhere and isn't that why you go to the concert I mean okay fine <laughs> so for our first uh topic we're going to kind of go away from talking about an article today we're going to be talking about a song um The song is by the artist Katie Turner. She was a contestant on season 16 of American Idol. She got the golden ticket to Hollywood after impressing the judges with her song 21st Century Machine. She ended up placing in the top seven. Since then, she has released two EPs and numerous singles, one of those being her 2021 hit God Must Hate Me. It's a heartbreaking song about body image and comparing yourself to others. Here's a clip from that song. Do you ever see someone and think, wow, they got lucky? The craftsmanship of their bones, their brain, and their body. When I look into the mirror for too long, it hurts. They don't track how many steps it takes to burn off this earth. Do you ever see someone and think, wow, they got lucky? I'll let them take a So there's a short section of the song. There have been several um, Christian parody songs that have changed the lyrics of this song to be a praise song instead of what it originally was. One of them was by TikTok user official Gabriel Storm. He changed the lyrics to be, if Jesus died to save our sins, he left the 99 to save the body I'm in. The same God who made the moon and the stars created me and formed my heart. I know what I believe, and it's easier to think he made me perfectly. Now, I first heard her song um, through TikTok. Um, I came across her account, and there were several other people who were like, this count, or this song uh, really connects with me. And there were people who, you know, they just had body image issues, as many young women do. And there were some people who connected it to it because they had a disability or um, mental illness that they felt made them different from other people. And so people were connecting to that song in those ways as well. But I want to talk a little bit about your reactions to the song and then your your reaction to um, 
official Gabriel Storms version of the song. So what do you guys think about this? Yeah, so for me, I um, I have a love-hate relationship with the song. Uh, honestly, I hate that um, so many people can relate to it. I hate that we compare ourselves to others. I hate that we look at clothes like we were made to fit in them instead of they were made to fit us. I hate that... Um, you know, if we think we or if we have freckles or acne or glasses or anything that we um, think that we are not as good as someone else. So I literally hate everything about that part. <laughs> um, but I love that she speaks about it so bluntly um, because that's reality. And so it can be super cathartic for people. Um, and I love that. But it's one of those songs that you don't want to relate to but unfortunately a lot of times you can um so it's a it's it's a tension-filled song for me mm -hmm. i guess in a lot of ways yeah i i think again you know you you feel for her for feeling that way mm -hmm. and you want to be like oh but that's not true and i think that's a little bit of what you know the parodies come mm -hmm. to but uh, there's another part of me that just feels like, you know, this is a real authentic emotion. This is someone who's being mm -hmm. honest and not putting the metaphorical newspaper over the mess that she feels like she is. Um, that I think that in faith circles we need to make space for. Mm -hmm. uh, because God wants us to be honest. He already knows how we're feeling. He doesn't want a fake version of us. So whatever mess we're feeling, um, I think we need to find ways to bring it to him. I think that's one of the most powerful things about this massive part of the Hebrew scriptures in our Bible called the book of Psalms. Um, it's just like, you know, 150 chapters of old worship songs and prayers. And they really, when you look at them with a bird's eye view, they really help us bring all different types of emotions to God so that he can uh, be present with us in our emotions and he helps us process our emotions. I mean, there's a lot of songs where there are the praise songs of, you know, worshiping God and celebrating who he is and what he has done. But 40% um, of all the Psalms are actually called laments. Uh, and that's not like French for a breath. A, a lament <laughs> uh, is an idea of, you know, crying out to God of anguish, of anger, of deep, dark sadness and bringing that to God. Um, so there's a huge tradition inside of our Bibles of people not just saying the pretty things, not just experiencing the happy-go-lucky rainbow butterflies feelings about God, but bringing their anger and their hurt mm -hmm. to God. And so I think that she's just maybe falling into that. And man, I think our churches and our faith community should have space for the, the Monday through Saturday kind of emotions, not just that everything's amazing, clap your hands because Jesus is alive, but the other emotions Monday through Saturday that we all face, and we need to learn to um, bring God into those uh, spaces uh, of what we're feeling. I mean, some of these Psalms of Lament, like Psalm 22 starts like this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? I mean, it doesn't sound like He's real happy inside of that, right? Another Psalm, uh, Psalm 44 says this in verse 23, Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and our oppression? Another Psalm, Psalm 60 uh, says this, You have rejected us, God, and burst upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us, please. So you see, it's not all just the 
you know, the happy go lucky emotions, but it's the sad stuff too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I just, I long for, you know, people of faith to understand that you don't have to, you know, hide how you feel, but be real, be honest because your honest, authentic self is where transformation can really begin. It's where it needs to begin with what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the parodies, I mean, I get it. Like you want to make, you know, Jesus look loving and at his core, like he is love, but I would never want to like invalidate the original, um, artist's intent because like you were talking about, like if, um, you know, she's got church trauma, we don't know, you know, all these things that, uh, people come to the table with their doubts and their questions and all of these things this hurt, grief, whatever it is that she's working through. So if this is a way for her to express that and to get that out and to kind of move forward, like good for her. And so, you know, because a lot of us don't, and we literally just carry it around with us until we can't carry it anymore. And then, you know, the bottom falls out kind of a thing. So, um, you know, for me, like if you find a way to kind of create space, like Joel mentioned, or find somebody to talk to or have an outlet like music or art or whatever it is, then like do that, do a lot of that. And, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, ignore the parodies or the people who want to say other things about what you're doing, because you're putting in the work to move forward and kind of express what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this also, yeah, uh, this also just, this is sort of in the, what grinds Joel's gears category (laughs) sometimes when, you know, people of faith, Christians, um, when we like judge somebody for what they're doing and they're not even maybe inside of the church, Mm -hmm. like, Oh man, I can't believe what so-and-so celebrity is doing and stuff like that. And they, we want to rant about it and make a huge deal to protest against this person. And like, it's just so clear as day. Like Paul says in first Corinthians five, um, I mean, what business business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Like we spend so much time pouring our light and our energy uh, talking about what's going wrong outside of the church. And you know what? There's a lot of junk and things we need to clean up inside of the church first. And so, I mean, I just I, I just say more power to her. I, I hope that she comes to realize um, that, yes, she can feel that way, but she has a Heavenly Father who is with her and experiences that, that pain with her. And they, she can meet uh, him through that uh, artistic expression. But, man, Jesus people, like, let's just lay off and <laughs> let people experience and express themselves mm-hmm. and you don't have to listen to it there's another thing For sure. you, you know you don't Scroll have to along. listen to it yeah. you don't have to have your kids listen to it when you're with them and who would have thought you know you don't have to have mm-hmm. this massive opinion and shame people for everything <laughs> yeah. yeah crazy yeah. idea the vibe i got from the parody song was basically a vibe of hey I don't like this, so let me fix your song for Mm -hmm. you. This is how I want it to be. And I think it's a very, um, I don't know, a naive take to think that, you know, you're going to hurt God's feelings or something if you you are critical of him. Mm -hmm. And so it it just seemed very... um, not not kind the way that right. he was doing this. It wasn't like he was making his own worship song. He was taking hers and changing it so that he would like it. And a lot of people in the comments, this might be a toxic trait of mine, but I love looking at comments. <laughs> oh, I oh. always deep dive the comments, girl. It's totally a toxic trait. The worst things that happen on planet Earth happen in comment sections. But 
everyone that was commenting was like, this is in bad taste. You shouldn't be, you know, making this song. If you wanted to make a song uh, with these lyrics, you could have done your own thing Mm -hmm. and not tried to change her song to be what you wanted it to be. And on your point of, you know, we feel like we're going to hurt God's feelings. Like what a small little vision of God that that creates, right? Yeah. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who was behind the message paraphrase of the Bible, great pastor and author and theologian. I love what he said about the Psalms. Uh, I love this. He said that praying the Psalms is learning to cuss at God without cussing. <laughs> so what he was saying was it, it, it's learning how to bring all of your negative emotions and what you're really thinking to God in a way that honors him instead of hiding it and pushing it down. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we should really have this, this big picture of God who's big enough for the hardest things that we face and our darkest emotions and wants us to bring it to him so that he can transform us through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That almost rhymed, and I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, but I mean, it is a very powerful song, and it really spoke to me um, as you know, someone who did have body image issues and still deals with that kind of stuff. Like these are real emotions that uh, people feel and it is insensitive to, Mm -hmm. you know, ignore those and try to make it, you know, a happy song, something that makes you feel good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to work through the mess. Not everything feels great. Yeah, that's okay. Exactly. Well, we're going to jump into our second topic today. It is about a woman who bought a sculpture at Goodwill for $34.99. It was actually a missing ancient Roman bust. This is a USA Today article by Jordan Mendoza. Now, I'm sure a lot of people have seen this article. It's been going around quite a bit. But uh, in 2018, an art collector named Laura Young was looking for art pieces at a Goodwill in Austin, Texas, when she found an old bust of a man that was for sale for $34.99. After consulting many experts, it was found that this sculpture is from late 1st century BC to early 1st century AD. And it's believed to either depict a son of Pompey the Great, who was defeated in civil war by Julius Caesar, or it is Roman commander Drusus Germanicus. The bust had belonged to King Ludwig I of Bavaria, who lived from 1786 to 1868, and was part of a full-scale model he built of a house from Pompeii in Germany. The house stood for nearly 200 years, but during World War II, it was severely damaged by Allied bombers. It's believed that a U.S. soldier took the bust home with them as a souvenir, and that's how it ended up in a Goodwill in Texas. Since Laura wasn't the rightful owner of the bust because it was given away or sold to someone, she was unable to keep or sell it. She did receive a finder's fee for returning the bust, but did not disclose the amount. This is insane. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so many parts of it are just like what there's just piece after piece after piece (laughs) of how this all fell into place don't you just wish there was like a camera on this thing to see all that (laughs) yeah the life it's lived yeah Yeah, exactly could be a whole movie you know (laughs) the journey of this thing well in one of the pictures that uh you'll see if you look at the article she has it like strapped into her passenger seat (laughs) in the car which i love so much because you know i do the same thing with like my you know morning donuts kind of a thing but it's just like riding shotgun and i'm like this is hundreds of years old this is insane from the time of christ yeah like that's what we're talking about here right 
I just Crazy. cannot imagine realizing that and then realizing that she really can't make a bunch of money off of no. it. No. Yeah. And she doesn't get to keep it. <laughs> she, so yeah. sad. I, I'd love to know what that finder's fee is, but I'm sure it's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, compared yeah to what it's it probably like $34.99. This is what you paid for it. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that mm-hmm. is, it's nuts. Yeah. Have you ever found anything at a Goodwill or a garage sale or something like that that you felt was worth a lot? Oh, man. I, not that's... No. no. <laughs> not that I think would be worth anything. I once found an, an original pressing of a, an incredible Rolling Stones oh. record. I, I, I've started to collect vinyl records. And uh, so I found Let It Bleed, and it was an original pressing. And this mm. is from... Um, the late 60s and I was so excited about it and uh and I actually paid quite a bit for it and uh I got it home and I was so excited to listen to it and it was like so scratched up that it's like inaudible so now I own this classic record and and I paid a lot for it and I kind of just want to listen to it you know over speakers through the Apple Music app instead (laughs) oh no I was pretty pumped about that finding it though it smelled old it Uh, smelled like rock and roll is what it smelled like well, old, you can still record. take picture, you know, and be like, I have this because yeah. technically you do. Yeah. But yeah, old records just have a weird smell to them. I, I have a handful of old ones. They're really old ones, like a Julie Andrews Christmas album from like <laughs> 1960 or something yeah. like that. But yeah, they just have a funky smell. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not the the Goodwill shopper. Mm. I, I've never found that as like a fun activity. And I know it is for so many people. <laughs> yeah. Goodwill tends to stress me out. No offense, Goodwill, if you're listening, um, because <laughs> I know it's organized to an extent, but not enough for my anxiety. Mm-hmm. But my college age daughter, like that's they do that for fun. Like yeah. they just go to Goodwill and look for the random T-shirts or hoodies or whatever. And um, we were actually there yesterday and she got <laughs> two T-shirts and a, you know, sweatshirt kind of thing. So she was on cloud nine. But that's awesome. What about you, Abby? If you you do the Goodwill thing, what have you found? Anything fun? Um, the one thing I can think of is I found this cute jumpsuit that I really liked. It was for sale for like eight dollars there, had the tags on it. It was originally two hundred and fifty dollars. I was like, I am getting this. (laughs) I thought it would be way too long on me because I'm kind of short, so jumpsuits usually drag on the floor, but it fits perfectly with a pair of heels and I it love it. really nice. Yeah. But yeah. It, 200, I mean, I'm just thinking, you're going to sell Ooh. that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you get that and you flip that, right, Abby? What are you thinking? I don't care how good it looks, right? No? Is that not how that works? Okay. But yeah, we have, I mean, people here at the church all the time, like, they are constantly going to Goodwill and looking for, you know, fines and just random things. And yeah, it's I feel like it would stress me out, but mm-hmm. they yeah. love it. I just disappointed because I almost have a complete Roman bust collection. And <laughs> you were missing the one piece? She found it before I could find the one. <laughs> could you imagine? Yeah. So creepy walking into a room. Oh, it's people's sculptures of their heads. Staring at you. That's cool. Yeah. If you saw our post from earlier this week when, you know, this day when we were recording – we had a picture of our friend uh, Star Lord, <laughs> Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's yeah. everywhere. It's a cardboard cutout that uh, our coworker Nico he found at a Goodwill, and it has been creeping around the church ever since. And he says it's his best ten dollars purchase ever. <laughs> I just I just know that I have lost years of my life from the 
from the fear that that thing has struck into my heart as it's been like in my office as I turn on the lights and I think yep. there's a six foot four man here. <laughs> He's oh. been in the bathroom. He's yeah. been everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Truly terrifying. But he, he said it was a great purchase for 10 bucks. So. Honestly. <laughs> so if you guys could see one movie again for the first time, what movie would it be and why? I, didn't, I did not have to think hard about this. I figured. Uh, my, uh, <laughs> my friends that know me well know that I'm a big geek and I love, you know, Star Wars and comic book movies and things like that and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, for me, it's really clear that I would see uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. I think of that as like one movie because they were tied together, but it's the end, it's the culmination of like 21 different movies of a continuous story that I remember going to see uh, Avengers Endgame, the last one uh, in theaters on like a Thursday night premiere with a packed theater and I'm sitting right next to my wife who just indulges me in these experiences. She doesn't really <laughs> like the movies, uh, but I'm like crying profusely, just embarrassing her because <laughs> it was so moving and it was such a powerful experience and I have goosebumps as I talk about it. And some of you are thinking I'm crazy and yes, you are right. Um, but if I could, if I could go back and see it again for the first time uh, in a crowded room, I mean, it would be quite the experience. I would probably cry all over again. <laughs> yep. That'd be me. So for me, mine is um, more obscure. Uh, we watched a movie called The Power of One. Uh, my sophomore year in high school, and you're like, you actually enjoyed a movie that you had to read the book in English class. <laughs> yeah, I actually did. Uh, shout out to my, you know, 10th grade English teacher, Judy Suffield. But anyways, um, the movie came out in like 1992. I think I watched it probably in like 93 seven or 98 but Morgan Freeman's in it Daniel Craig some of the people that you know kind of hear about but it takes place in the 1930s and um, about an orphan who's like terrorized for his family's political beliefs and he befriends a prisoner who teaches him how to box and uh, it's loosely based off a true story which I also love like documentaries and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but um, it takes place in South Africa so it also it was kind of the first movie that I remember watching that dealt with like injustices and discrimination and inequality and um, also gave me just this bug to travel and see more of the world and meet new people and just learn about people and um, to not just be a tourist but to like be in the country or wherever you're at and um, so anyways you would have to if, I think if you ever wanted to watch it you'd probably have to you know find an old VHS and then something to play it on <laughs> um, I don't really know if you can watch it anyplace else but it's um, you know it's not going to be a cinematic masterpiece the uh, you know uh, I can't even think of the right word, but like the quality is going to be VHS quality. Okay. So <laughs> oh, let's sure just call it, it what HD. it is. <laughs> Back in 1992, things were a little bit different, but <laughs> I loved that movie and I still think about it. I have That's never awesome. heard of this movie. Yeah. Are you Googling all? it right I now? I am on IMDb.com okay. doing all of the research. I'm afraid to know what like the I Rotten Tomatoes and you all that. You don't want to hear that. <laughs> you don't want to hear that. I really don't. But oh my goodness! But you know, you could read the book yeah, probably it's based at off your a local book. Library. And then also, <laughs> apparently, you can watch it on Hulu. Oh, so it is okay. currently streaming 
on Hulu, and I found the next thing that I'm going to stream. Because that sound, it sounds really fascinating. It is. And if it's not good, I'll just make fun of you for having a bad taste That's in movies. That's totally fine. And, I don't care. I mean, I know it deals with injustice, but like Thanos was taking out half of the galaxy, so that's real injustice, too. I mean, basically too, the you know? same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. No. What about you, Abby? Now, Endgame is really close to the top for me as well. Oh. I really enjoy you know, all the Marvel movies and stuff. But I really like horror movies. So I think back to the first movie that like really scared me was The Dark Knight. And so feeling that fear again, I feel like would be awesome. Wait, the Batman movie, The (laughs) Dark Knight? Yeah. I would never in a million years call that a horror movie. (laughs) I know, I know. But but what scared you about it? What scared you? Joker just scared I was like 11 years old, Joel. (laughs) Okay, you were, yeah, that's a good point. You were younger. I remember thinking, this dude's epic. What a great bad guy. And you're terrorized for the rest of your life. Also, I was probably a real adult at that point when when Abby was 11. So, like, that's the first movie that scared me. So, you know, going back to that emotion would be really cool. Or also, I really enjoy uh, M. Night Shyamalan movies. And so I think The Village was the biggest twist for me. And so being able to experience that again would be awesome. They're all great twists. But The Village is one that, you know, everybody hated on that movie, but it blew the top off my head at the (laughs) end because I did not see that Mm -hmm. coming. And, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, you know, Sixth Sense, Signs was another one that blew the top off my head. And that scared me living around cornfields at the time. I remember that, too. That would be good to go back and those big twists, like, oh, yeah. he was dead the whole time kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's fun. That's but I fun. hate watching those with someone who figures out the twist before it happens. I'm like, no, you're not supposed to know it yet. <laughs> that's usually me watching, like, crime <laughs> shows or whatever. I'm like, oh, it was this guy. That's my husband's like, stop it. <laughs> the worst attribute of my wife is that she's so smart. Yeah, she's got a big brain. Big brain, and whatever movie we're watching, I'll be like, I've I've, I've already seen it. I'm pumped for her to watch it. And we were dating. We were like juniors in high school, and I wanted to show her The Sixth Sense. I'm like, oh, this is a classic movie. You'd love it. So like six minutes into the movie, she turns to me and goes, wait, they didn't talk back to him. Is he dead? Is oh he a ghost? God. And I tried to play it off for a Just while. Like I'm like, keep watching. Yeah. No, no, he's not dead. And like 20 minutes, no, he's dead, isn't he? I'm like, dang it, Megan. <laughs> so smart. Really Come is. on. So funny. Well, we're going to go into our last article now. This is called How to Process Anxiety and Fear in the Wake of Mass Shootings, According to Experts. This is a CNN Health article by John Duffy. So as many of you have heard, on May 14th, there was a mass shooting where an 18-year-old man shot 13 people and killed 10 of them at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York. The grocery store was in a predominantly black neighborhood, and based on the shooter's online activity, it was clearly a racially motivated hate crime. Now, I am hurting for this community. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so frustrating every time you hear one of these. It just breaks my heart every time I hear that something like this is happening and knowing that, you know, my black friends and family members, I'm sure they feel fear hearing Mm -hmm. this stuff Mm -hmm. that they could be in the same situation at some point. For sure. It hurts my heart as well that we kind of become numb almost to these article headlines because they should shock us and, um, you know, cause us to 
kind of introspect, you know, think and just um, do something or, you know, reach out, but um, they shouldn't be the norm. And um, unfortunately for very long time now they they have been and um you know so you think of like schools and movie theaters and clubs and grocery stores like you just talked about like it's easy to be fearful to go outside when no place seems safe anymore so i uh i hate that yeah yeah and then the day after that there was another shooting that happened uh at Geneva Presbyterian Church. It was a Taiwanese church in Laguna Woods, California. Uh, They were holding a luncheon for a pastor who had been away working in Taiwan. Uh, When a man came in and opened fire, he ended up killing one person and five other were wounded. So like you said, I mean, it's, we're becoming numb because of how often Mm -hmm. these things seem to be happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, as you know, we're all Jesus followers and we have a lot of, you know, Christian friends. And so um, I know I've had people tell me that like fear and worry are sins and God tells us not to be anxious. So just like, don't be afraid, you know, kind of a thing. It's all Mm going to be fine. And I'm like, yeah, it's easier said than done. Right. So like, what do we do as Christians when you are anxious and kind of fearful of these, um, situations but Mm -hmm. um you know i think we've talked before for me like i try to realize that like fear is a god-given emotion you know like happiness sadness like it's not that you're supposed to feel fear necessarily but you're just not supposed to obey it like healthy fear is good it keeps us from not touching the hot stove you know Mm -hmm. kind of a thing but i and i believe and you know maybe this isn't a hot take i don't know but like Fear and faith, like they can coexist. Um, And I know not everybody uh, feels that way and that's okay. But um, for me, one kind of drives me to the other. Like we feel fear, but we can choose God's truth instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on what's in the driver's seat, right? Is fear in the driver's seat or is fear in the back seat or the trunk? I think, I mean, if we're Mm -hmm. intellectually and emotionally honest, fear is always part of a daily life it's just Mm -hmm. you have that decision of what's in the driver's seat or who are you fearing Mm -hmm. and what are you fearing in this moment I think the 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 challenge I mean so many challenges and I'm trying to say my words carefully um but some of the challenges just you know it's moving from that fear that's just out there to you know terror which is you know things that could come into normal everyday moments of our life, like grocery shopping or going to the movie just brings another element of emotion to something that should be benign or maybe be a joyful experience. Uh, A couple years ago, my wife and I were in Florida and after dinner one night, we went to go see um, the first Wonder Woman movie um, in a movie theater. And with like 30 minutes left in the movie, uh, the uh, alarm started going off oh, and like the movie shut shut off and like it was like crazy because yeah. it was the first time in my life I'm like oh my gosh is something going on in the theater mm-hmm. and it ended up not it ended up being just like a storm situation but like I mean I grabbed my wife's hand and we went out like the emergency exits yeah, and everything you we just don't yeah. know mm-hmm. and it's it's those moments um, especially for um, people of color or minorities in our country that um, they just they're thinking about differently because this is a story that seems to be on loop that um, we just have not made the tough decision to change the story, move the narrative forward. Um, And it's beyond frustrating and saddening, but I just, 
I, honestly, I just end up in a place of anger and frustration as of mm-hmm. right now to how often. I mean, by the time this episode airs, there will probably be two to three more mass shootings in the wealthiest country in the history of the world mm-hmm. where we live. Mm-hmm. And it's unacceptable. And um, I'd love for people from the left and the right to both at least acknowledge it's unacceptable and compromise to say that there are things that we can do to where this does not happen uh, more often than mm-hmm. a baseball game is yeah. played. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you were saying, Allison, the one of the um, suggestions in this article is to recognize that it is normal to be scared of mm-hmm. these events and we don't have to hide our fear. I think as Christians, we tend to push it down. You know, <laughs> God is in control. He'll take care of everything. We don't have to worry. But even though we say those things, there's still fear there. Yeah. You know, just because we say, oh, yeah, God's in control doesn't mean our fear is going to disappear. <laughs> yeah, it's and still go- there. Yeah, and going back to what we were talking about earlier with the song from TikTok, I mean, maybe the most honoring thing we can do to God is to bring that fear mm-hmm. to him and let him know and speak that out loud instead of hiding it or wearing a mask, believing that it's not there. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think most health begins with just acknowledging there's a problem and acknowledging there's an intruder in the story and Mm -hmm. fear is that intruder. Well, and I think it's important too for people to realize that like if you are anxious or fearful, like you, you don't have less faith necessarily. It doesn't make you less of a, you know, Christian or a person. You're just struggling in that moment. Like we are not defective because we feel fear. We're human. And so sometimes we just need to lean in to our faith in those kind of moments, like when you're scared and um, or fearful or anxious, all the things. But, you know, sometimes, too, like it's okay to recognize when you need additional support, Mm -hmm. because sometimes like, you know, if you recognize you have changes in your eating or you're sleeping or, you know, whatever, like sometimes you need additional supports. And so I know we've talked before, too, like, um, you know, we've all, I believe, seen a counselor at one point. So like if you find yourself extra fearful for the, you know, to go out or to be in these situations because you, you know, think something's going to happen, like it is okay to go talk to someone and get mm-hmm. additional help because, you know, you're just replaying the same story over in your head a lot of times. It's not going to move move you forward. So Yeah, and I think we can't underplay the power of community and mm-hmm. other people that we can lock eyes with that are feeling the same yeah. things that we feel. Um, it's not an indictment on uh, your strength if you need help and support from other people. It's just a reality check yeah. that we need each other and uh your heavenly father created you to need other people. And so two of the most powerful words that we can ever say to somebody else or have somebody say to us is, Oh, you too. Like I felt that same thing. Mm -hmm. And so when the more that we are open and authentic with other people about how we're feeling, especially when it comes to fear or terror because of, you know, outbursts of violence, uh, it's going to help us walk through it and Mm -hmm. to lock arms with somebody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's also been helpful for me uh, when I think about like my anxiety and those things like, you know, Jesus died for like the anxious person and the worrier and the fearful and the controller, like just as much as anyone else. So, you know, kind of my, 
I guess, bottom line is I don't want you to feel like if you are fearful or anxious that like you are less than or more or defective or that there's something wrong with you because you have these emotions. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, Allison, one of the points in the article, um, they really try to challenge uh, parents specifically Mm -hmm. to understand you cannot shelter your kids uh, from finding out about mass shootings or the possibility that they could be involved. Mm -hmm. So have you had those conversations with your girls that are now in, you know, college and high school? I mean, we mentioned earlier just off mic that you were in high school when Columbine, the first, you know, high profile high school shooting happened. Like, how do you walk towards that with your kids? I know we have a lot of parents that listen, kids in different age groups. Yeah. How do you do that? It it is very hard because you have the line of uh, what's too much you know, to tell them because you want to, not that you want to shelter them, but you do want to keep them, you know, children for as Mm -hmm. long as possible. But this is a different world than when I was, um, you know, a small child. And so, yes, you do have to have these conversations. And at public school, anyways, they have drills now, Mm -hmm. which is actually, um, whoo, man, I have a lot of feelings about that as well. (laughs) But, um, because it creates a lot of anxiety in the kids as well. Mm -hmm. I know that all intentions are good and well because they want them to be prepared and they want them to know, kind of like a fire drill, this is what we do. But I hate the fact that that's even a thing that they have to have. Like the fact that that's a drill makes me nauseous. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you do have to talk to your kids about, you know, staying quiet and you know if you know something is happening or you know fight or flight these kinds of uh decisions and um they're not great <laughs> honestly yeah, as a not parent, great they're, options they're not great yeah. yeah like you know do you teach you know this is it's just so bad because there's so many situations even in these drills at school where they teach kids to like basically play dead and i'm like i do not want to have to tell my kid to do that. Like the fact that that's even a thing, just it hurts my heart. So, yeah. well, another uh, suggestion that the article had was uh, taking action, getting involved might help uh, with your anxiety. You can donate, march for the cause, or find ways to curb violence. It might help you feel empowered to be a part of something. Um, for me, I don't know. It, it's almost feels like a privilege take to just say, you know, yeah, do these things. And it might make you feel better about mm-hmm. yourself. Here's $20 to the cause. Good luck. Yeah. 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 But um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I, I hear that and I can see how mm-hmm. you, you could interpret it that way. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm thinking of it from more of a, you know, being so fearful and uh, anxious from the possibility of being terrorized, it feels so defensive and it feels defenseless. Like that mm-hmm. puts you in that moment of defenselessness. Mm-hmm. And I think that doing something to push back against the darkness that is gun violence, it, it, it empower, it's a little bit empowering or uh, it puts you a little bit more on offense in that way to where I think that, I think I understand how that could help you feel mm-hmm. less fearful because you're like, okay, this is the world we live in, but you know we're going to recognize the darkness that it is. But if I've got just a, you know, 78, 80 years and I've only got so much breath in my lungs, I want to be a part of pushing against what's going on. And so at least I'm going to be able to tell my kids and grandkids mm-hmm. that I was trying to be part of the solution. And yeah. um and I, I'm always inspired by people that 
you know, look the ugliness of this world in the eyes and say, hey, like, maybe I can't change the whole world, but I can take one step and I mm-hmm. can change the world in me yeah. and move or forward. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, uh, I'm inspired by that and challenged probably, uh, a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I think that that's part of the call of a Jesus follower that has been so put off for so long. I mean, I grew up in a version of faith where there was a lot of talk about getting saved and going to heaven. And uh, that leads to some real shallow, self-centered worldview and theology Mm -hmm. uh, to where the more that I looked at Jesus and uh, what he was doing in the gospel accounts, I mean, he was on offense. He was going around saying that the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. Come be a part of what I'm doing. And when you pray, don't just pray that you get to heaven. Pray that heaven would invade earth Mm -hmm. and that um, you would bring the life of heaven that I'm bringing you to the people around you and take uh, my words seriously. So, and that can look like donating to a cause. That can look like marching. That can look like writing our elected officials and say, when is enough Mm -hmm. enough? Can we compromise and move forward? Because it doesn't have to be this way. It's not this way Mm -hmm. in so many other Western wealthy countries. And so I don't believe that Americans are the most inherently violent and evil people on earth. There's something we can do about this. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm encouraged and provoked by that thought of instead of just living on defense, let's be a part of the solution. Let's push back against the darkness and the brokenness of our world. And something that we say around our faith community all the time is that uh, we want to be a community of people that are uh, bringing the up there, the stuff of heaven down here in Kokomo, and we want it to be in Kokomo as it is in heaven. And yes, that matters. Uh, if people are terrorized, it matters. If people are um, being, you know, hurt by gun violence and all the different things that matter in the here and now. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm challenged by that. Taking action, getting involved. Let's get on the offense instead of just complaining about how bad it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is bad, and we need to say that it's bad, but I don't think that we ever have the excuse to just take our foot off the gas and say, oh, this world's terrible. We need to be a part of the solution, and that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Well, that's all we have for today. Uh, if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about, you can email those to atypicaltalkpod at gmail.com. Also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Atypical Talk Pod, and make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We hope that these conversations today have helped you think wider, love deeper, and partner with God to bring the up there, down here in your everyday life. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.